Welcome to the Real Rescue Podcast, powered by Vertical Helicast. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I'd like to give a shout out to the sponsor for this episode of The Real Rescue, and that's Breeze Eastern, where nothing is impossible. They design and manufacture the rescue hoist, winches, cargo hooks, and weapons handling systems, military and civilian operators need to make the impossible missions possible. Visit them today at breeze-eastern.com. Coming up next in this part one, I am joined by a fellow rescue swimmer classmate of mine. Please welcome our next guest in his stories from class 1000, United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 502, Mr. Matt Deason. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is the Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Rescue. I have got a, it's this this is like uh, this is this means something to me today. I, I mean that. I I mean that, brother. All right. Not only is this a Coast Guard rescue swimmer, uh, him and I went through A school together, so we have a real type bond because we survived that shit together. Ladies and gentlemen, United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number five hundred and two, Mister Matt Teeson. What up? What's going on, Jay? Dude, How you doing? I am. I am phenomenal. I am so pumped that you're here right now, dude. I, it's like, you know, you're Easy, my first like fellow classmate to come join me on this, right? Is that I mean, true? For, yes, two years, and not one of the other guys. Come on, what the hell? <laughs> well, here I am, dude. I love it. I love it, man. I thank you so much. It is good to see you. Uh, you and I had an opportunity to sit down at last dessert up in North Carolina. Up in the hills. Yeah, up in Asheville. Yep. Yep. Ah, it was so good to catch up with you there. And it's kind of funny. I was That's thinking fine. about it. You and I, like, we crossed paths throughout our time, like, yep. as swimmers, but we were never actually stationed together. So we were in EMT school, EMT research. Yep. We just pass bys, drop in to get dinner somewhere. Yep. So, yep. Freaking awesome. That's the way it rolls. But yeah. school. Schools where we met and, and had our uh, oh, had our man. moment together. Yeah, <laughs> many moments. Oh right. Sure. Oh yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get into some of that too because it was it was awesome. But before we go there, Dave, give us our rundown. What brought you into the Coast Guard and what brought you to Rescue Swimmer? Honestly, the reason I joined the Coast Guard was because I wanted to surf. Okay. Um, my dad was in the army. My dad was in the army. And, uh, when I was about nine years old, we got stationed in San Francisco and we lived there for about six years and fell in love with the Pacific ocean. And then he got stationed in Colorado, moved to Colorado. And I got, uh, really ocean homesick. I guess you could say not homesick, but wanted to get back to the ocean. I love the mountains. Love snowboarding, but uh, wanted to get back to the ocean. So um, took a couple trips out there, did some couch surfing. 
um, stayed with a bunch of friends, probably wore out my welcome a few places, um, but really just trying to get, get some waves. And, and uh, I was just a, one day I was, I was out of money. I had worn out some welcomes and I was, I was uh, sitting on the beach, uh, slept on the beach a couple of times. I was sitting on the beach and I saw a helicopter fly down the beach and then maybe, I don't know, half a mile down the beach, they turn out to sea and they get down low over the water and I'm just watching them. And maybe five, 10 minutes later, I see some smoke pop and I can see uh, from just, just the angle with the sun behind it, some fella getting hoisted up out of the ocean. I thought, I could do that. I can, I can do that. And that'll get me back here, right where I want to be. So I spent the next uh, year and a half getting, getting ready for the Coast Guard, going through MEPS. Um, my dad being in the Army, he kind of fast-tracked me through that and uh, joined the Coast Guard. And uh, after boot camp, they put me in New Orleans. And I was in New Orleans for the next seven years. So the surfing part of it didn't really work out until later. <laughs> Yeah, I ended up up in Alaska after New Orleans and uh, got some good surf up there. And then after that, was lucky enough to get out to Barber's Point. And that's when I was really able to get the surfing back in my blood. So I love it, yeah, dude. It paid off. All for it surfing. took a while, but it paid off. Yeah. Sick, dude. Well, that's mm -hmm. pretty badass, man. Um, when you went down to New Orleans, where were you? What were you stationed on in New Orleans prior to school? I was on two buoy tenders, so um, two one thirty-three foot buoy tenders, um, and uh, yeah, they were old Navy minesweepers uh, that we had the Coast Guard had converted, and yeah, for about uh, two and a half, almost three years, I was doing that. Oh my! Then gosh. I went. Then I went. Then I went into the Airman program. And went to Air Station New Orleans. And then I went to A school, and then I got stationed back in New Orleans. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, you know, I remember that being in school, and and you're like, son of a bitch, really? Like I'm trying to get <laughs> yeah. out of there. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, yeah, damn. So we meet in A school. A school shows up now. For those that don't know, rescue uh, service school is, is like there's a small group of guys, and at the time. We were the biggest class ever to show up into school. And yeah. there were eight of us. Like Yeah, I think before us, they were only doing classes of six. Correct. And, and they, yeah. they had changed it up over the last couple of years. But but prior to us, uh, yeah, it was a class of six. And yeah. They, they decided to go for eight. Right. And part, yeah. and part of the reason they were trying to go to eight is they figured, okay, they have an attrition rate of X. It was like 60% at the time dropout rate. So only 40% of anybody that went through was going to continue to make it. And uh, so they were like, all right, so if we send eight guys, we know that 60% is going to drop out. This is how many we're going to have by the end of the class. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be good numbers to bring into the fleet. And then we showed up and our class yeah. was like mega strong for no apparent reason either. It was just, no, just we, luck of the draw. Yeah. Yeah. We fed well off each other too. I remember specifically yeah. like, just the the camaraderie that we had right away coming in because yeah. i mean most of chemistry us, we, 
very rarely argued, you know, and, and that was back when we were all living in one room. In <laughs> totally. Bar, in the donut. That's right. And we it had, is a... had racks and we, yep. would, we would yell at each other like, uh, like a bunch of brothers would yell at each other, you know, somebody would, I remember Laurent Magri, the, the rack to my left and he would floss his teeth before he'd go to bed in his bed. And I would hear him just, I, cause the room was quiet, you know, maybe someone had a fan going or something like that. Yeah, yeah. The rock, what are you doing over there? He's like, I gotta clean my teeth. But yeah, just oh little stuff God. like that. You know, there's a couple other things I remember uh, specifically, like we, there was always something from a school and I can't speak for any other branch or a school or anything that anybody else goes through. But for us, there are things that get passed down from class, class, class. And I yep. remember specifically having uh, our table of porn, which I, I don't yeah. even know how I should say this, but it was awesome. We had a, uh, like just a, a, it was a coffee table. And we had a couple of chairs mm. and couches that came mm. through, big TV, and and, and there it was. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but somebody, something got mentioned or a magazine got left out and Butch Flight found it. And we got <laughs> hammered. Yeah, and, and tore apart. And that table, I think it had been passed down from class to class. Yeah. There were some magazines from like years prior. You're like, oh, what's going on? Oh, I just remember the rash. Yeah. And then I remember yeah. another time our, our room got thrashed for something else. And it wasn't even us that did it, it was the other class that did it. So then we got to yeah. go in and thrash their room because they we got blamed for something they did <laughs> yeah 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 oh, the other class God. the class who is class ahead of us that was uh dominguez durham lapolt yeah yeah gosh was a... but those were the three that that remained i believe that that was their that was who graduated in their class i don't remember anybody that uh, dropped out of that class but you never do right yeah. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, we were, we had such a tight, tight group between us. And then as we go, as we got further in line, the class behind us, we had, you know, Fogel, Majesty, and those guys, God, Majesty, mm -hmm. God rest his soul, died in the yep. motorcycle crash, too bad. Um, mm -hmm. and I, one of the things that I remember with him was so funny is we, we're all getting just our asses handed to us and PT. And yeah. Do you remember the day we we ended up doing a, like a five mile loop or something, and we come down to the beach and we're doing sprints on the beach. We had to go down to the water, touch the water, come back up, and pop to attention. Mm -hmm. And fucking pop to attention, pause and fall straight. And he just, Whoa! Yep, I remember that. <laughs> yep. Oh, and they're like everybody in the water, and then bam, yeah. came and got him. Yep. Mm -hmm. You had oh. the ambulance called on you too. I certainly <laughs> did. That's right. It was our. There was the buddy toe test out, right? I think, I think uh, yes, but it wasn't until we were doing sprints after that. So, yeah, yeah. So, what had happened was we <laughs> we were right back. next to me. I saw your I saw your eyes rolling in the back of your head and everything, just like Paul going hitting hitting the dirt. But it was you, miserable. Instead of falling backwards, instead of falling backwards, you just slowly went down and. <laughs> so what? <laughs> what i remember specifically about that day is uh so again getting our butts just handed to us and whatever we had done it was kind of towards the end of the workout um yeah. and I, I i could say workout now because that's all it was it was just an intense workout 
with people yeah. yelling at you, right? Yeah. So we're in the pool. And and before they had uh, physical curriculum for the students, it was just the instructors kind of spitballing the program. Yeah. Yeah. Sure what they, they had some kind of benchmarks, but that day it was one of those days where they're just trying to throw it all at you. I think it yeah. was a Friday, a Friday beatdown. I think so. Yeah. And it was the week after we got back from like holiday routine because we were there over Christmas and New Year's, and they ended up giving yep. like a week off for school. Like they were yep. like, "Oh yeah, just mm -hmm. don't show up. Come in, clean the garbage, and go home." And we we're like, yeah. "Oh okay, this is awesome." And they we, said, we "Make have... sure you make sure you keep up on your PT." They, they totally do. Make sure you keep it going. Yeah. But then they well, want they, they to see, did you keep it up? Yeah. And we got freaking hammered. So here's what I remember. I remember being in the pool and, and at the time there, there were seven of us. So we, we had one of our, one of our classmates um, didn't pass first phase. So it ended up being the seven. And I, Jake and I, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he, who ended up going later and passing like four or five classes after us. Kind mm -hmm. of impressive. Because the dude went yeah, like so, three times. So technically, we passed all eight from our not from our class. That, but everybody that's true. Class class. Yep. Wow. That, dang. That's true. That's all the class. Wow. Yep. Holy shit! I didn't even think of that. That's pretty. That is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. We had one one dropout, but that dropout ended up graduating. So freaking legit. Good for crew. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so here we yeah right. <laughs> so here we are seven of us in the pool and they're telling us to sprint down and i think it was just a sprint down sprint back and i remember doing like yeah. four it might have been underwater down sprint back whatever it was and uh and all of a sudden i hear the instructor say like all right first person back gets to get out of the pool i'm like oh yeah far okay far yeah i gotta i gotta freaking i gotta go man i gotta go and for whatever reason that day i am last on everything i just get my ass kicked and that's yeah the end of it you guys were all one at a time getting out of the pool. Hey, Tisa, get out of the pool. Puya, get out oh, of the I think, pool. I think I think Farmer said something said something to you. I think he was just joking around. I think you made it in time, but he was like, he's like, nope, Quinn, you didn't make it this time. But he was just messing with you. And I turned to look at you, and you said something inaudibly, just blah 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 blah, blah. and then there you went into the water, and they're like, grab him everybody out and we're all in the locker room we're like what the heck just happened no. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah but you're all right yeah, yeah. You're all right. everything's fine it was fine <laughs> we made it, you know what if you're not gonna have a couple bumps in the road of the way you're whatever right sure <laughs> yeah 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 nice oh dude we had we had a good time man i really enjoyed you being a classmate of mine for sure it was highly motivating yeah so yeah but all right, we get through school, and now you go back to New Orleans, even though you didn't want to go to New Orleans, you go back right. to New Orleans. Get qualified. What was your very first, and I'm going to say duty day, because I I know it wasn't just one rescue that day. Right. No, it wasn't. So they, they fast-tracked us through the, the syllabus there because they were so short and they were so busy there in, in New Orleans, we were averaging over a case a day. I think we had like 380 annually, uh, pretty regularly. So, and it, it stayed like that uh, the whole time I was there for the, for the four years I was there. Um, I come on duty and probably about an hour after I'm on duty, I get launched out 
for someone with a back injury. And it was, I remember flying out and just thinking, wow, this is like, this is like, I'm the, I'm the one that they're letting do this. Like, I can't believe they trust me to do this. You know, it is, it is just an eye-opening experience. Um, and, and it, you know, it, it did really didn't hit me until that flight out. And then we come into a hover over this big, uh, tanker ship and the guy had fallen over the, a fire main, uh, pipe that was on deck there and his back was messed up. And, uh, you know, you just kind of learn as you go in some situations because they can't cover everything in school. Um, I get, it was a long time ago, so I don't remember all the details, but I get hoisted down. Uh, then I, I turn around and receive the trail line. Uh, I get the litter down. And one of the things I learned pretty quickly um, after this case is uh, – you don't need to leave your helmet on the entire time. It was so hot and I'm over this guy and I'm trying to talk to people, but I had my helmet on still. The helicopter had flown off to let me do my thing. So I didn't need my helmet on for hearing protection or anything at the time, but I kept my helmet on and I was just sweating. My face was just dripping all over this guy. I felt so bad afterwards. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of those small little things they don't talk about in school that, that you're going to learn. Right. Um, hoist this guy up. Um, and, uh, you know, it's broken back, but I, I, uh, a new EMT, I want to go through all the pace. So I, so I broke out all, all the stuff and, uh, you know, getting good BPs and, and, and O2 and everything totally ripped up the, the EMT kit. So drop this guy off, come back to the air station, pull the EMT kit out, bring it into the shop to, to restock it. And the alarm goes off again. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, wait, like what's going on here so i go and grab another emt kit out of the ready locker uh this one was uh, some guy coughing up blood um suspected tuberculosis or, or something like that oh gosh. Uh, so face mask stuff like that but another another case where i had to blow up the emt kit so i come back after that one um pretty uneventful aside from just picking them up dropping off the hospital so now I have two EMT kits sitting on on the countertop in the shop, um, and I'm I'm rebuilding them, almost done rebuilding them, and the alarm goes off again. So now I'm I'm back into the ready locker because these two EMT kits weren't weren't uh, uh, refurbished yet. Grabbing another EMT kit, and I'm thinking if if it continues like this. If I'm getting sorry like this all the time, I'm not going to be able to sustain this. You know, this is just like I'm three three SAR cases in the first six hours of, of ever standing duty in my life. And I'm like, I'm going to burn out. I'm not going to be able to keep this up. But the third one was uh, turned out to be just the uh, uh, overdue vessel. And we did some searching and bagged out on that one. So the EMT kit wasn't needed but still it was three three emt kits on my first duty day um, oh my god first duty day. wow man dude that's awesome <laughs> well done yeah again yeah yeah and then it was and then my next couple of duty days after that were, were pretty quiet so i was like yeah it was some some anomaly but you know 
is a, a baptism into SAR right there. Freaking badass, dude. That's yeah. awesome. That was when New Orleans, say, though. Yeah. They, I, you know what? Everybody I talked to from down in New Orleans says it was busy all the time. Yeah. I mean, we were we were the uh, ambulance service for all of the oil rigs and all the boats out there. This was before PHI um, was, was big out there. It was before that, uh, that big oil rig fire. Uh, yep. I forget the name, but you know what I'm talking about. Yep. After that, I think they made some, some um, new laws where, where the oil rigs and, and any large entity out in the Gulf had to have their own kind of rescue platform and, and their shuttles that they were using turned into um, I think uh, priority one was used with with uh, PHI out there in Era, Era helicopters. Actually. Era, Era. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they once that took off, they filled the gap. Uh, but before that, it was us going everywhere, doing all the SAR out there, every medevac, every overdue, all you know, fishermen, cruise ships, um, people getting drunk and partying, you know, down in. Pensacola or whatever, or, you know, just out fishing. So we had it all. We saw it all. Hunters. It was, it's wild west out there. Wow. Wow. You know, you mentioned cruise ships. It's one of my favorite. I love going to cruise ships. It's just, it's like, it, yeah. I, I can't, the best way to describe it is when you roll up on side next to a cruise ship and then just flash photography boom boom, boom, boom. it looks like super bowl when kickoff happens it's yeah fun. it's it's like you're doing sorry in, in arena yeah totally and, and uh, but just a bunch of spectators everybody's out on their balconies taking yeah. pictures yeah and they're like wow this is amazing and then you're like hanging yeah. out and then, you're like, and then you get hoisted down and they have a, they usually have like a huge <laughs> fire crew and everything out on deck and they're in their potato suits yep yeah. <laughs> mm. about it. We had a couple of guys, uh, Miles Beardsley, he got left unseen on a cruise ship. A couple of guys where they ended up spending the night or riding the cruise ship back because they had to leave him behind. Um, probably because um, they had to send up a nurse. Or the, Usually the cruise ships have doctors or nurses with them. And we're not allowed to drop our level of uh, medical care. So right. if there's a nurse that's that's taking care of them or a doctor. We'll usually opt to send them up, and 65s aren't aren't very big, and uh, fuel load right, so swimmer can very often get left behind, and that happened a couple of times. And the one that comes to mind is Miles Beardsley. I think they had a he ended up being the, the same size as the, the captain of the boat, and he got a tuxedo to go to dinner and stuff like that. Oh my God! Yes. What? <laughs> That's the story, anyway. I was there, but yeah. Yeah, I you know what that didn't happen to me. I just I just show up. Hey, yeah, patient, let's go. <laughs> awesome. All right, Matt. Well, I, I'm gonna bring you to a specific case because you earned an award while you were down in New Orleans, and uh, I I'm gonna read it and then I, I'm psyched to hear the backstory. So we're gonna get this started. All right. Okay. So here it is. Citation to accompany the award of the Coast Guard Achievement Medal to Matthew J. Thiessen, Aviation Survival Technician, 3rd Class, United States Coast Guard. Pedestrian Thiessen is cited for superior performance of duty on the afternoon of 16 June 2002 while assigned 
as a second rescue swimmer on 6522 during the demanding rescue of 12 survivors injured when the pleasure boat Slick Liquor suffered a high-speed collision with an oil platform and sank seven miles south of Grand Isle, Louisiana. Initially called upon to assist the duty rescue swimmer, Pedestra Tison's role changed considerably as the crew arrived on scene to find significant injuries to most of the 12 people in the water, including an individual with a broken back, another with a broken femur, a woman with a broken ankle, chest pains, and difficulty breathing, and another with a broken cheek, in addition to several other minor injuries. After assessing the 500-yard radius scene, it was determined that one rescue swimmer could handle the patient with a back injury, freeing Petty Officer Thiessen to stabilize the broken femur of another survivor. Using ingenious improvisation and two ambulatory survivors for stability, Petty Officer Thiessen skillfully applied a traction splint to the survivor's leg while in the water, a feat that is difficult at best on dry land. Having significantly eased the survivor's suffering, Pedestrian placed him in a litter and readied him for transport to a Coast Guard utility boat, the UTB. With little regard for himself, Pedestrian maintained on scene after the helicopter departed and continued to triage the scene, tending to a woman with a broken ankle and difficulty breathing, a man with head trauma and a broken nose, and two for survivors with broken bones to their shoulders. Petty Officer Thiessen teamed with the other rescue swimmer to supervise all patient transfers to the Coast Guard utility boat, then embarked the Coast Guard utility boat himself to continue treatment during the trip to shore until the patient was transferred to the awaiting ground EMS ambulance. Petty Officer Thiessen's diligence, perseverance, and devotion to duty are most heartily committed in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Matt, what the 12 people? And those aren't just little, like, oh, bumps and bruises. That's significant oh. injuries. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me paint a picture of the, the, the weather was beautiful this day. It was, uh, I don't know, uh, early afternoon. Um, calm seas this guy or the captain of the boat whatever um he decided to, to keep the boat on cruise control autopilot and went below decks and they were hanging out obviously uh partaking in some uh adult beverages um, i say obviously because when we showed up on scene there were beer cans floating all over the place um the boat was the boat was uh bobbing with a, a huge gaping hole, he left it on an autopilot and ran into an oil rig. So, wow. Yeah. Um, just the injuries were, it, it was, it was a mess out there. Beer cans in the water and uh, fuel and oil in the water. Uh, people scattered everywhere. Um, but the weather was cooperating. So there was one thing in our favor. Uh, we showed up on scene. Uh, it was myself and Max Max Momita, uh, okay, good, good friend of mine. He was on duty. Um, I hopped in the plane because it was a mass casualty situation. Um, first person we come up to, uh, he goes down and then signals for the litter. Turns out they had a broken back. So Max Max 
gets the litter. Well, he's putting the litter. They move over. Um, probably about uh, 300 yards away. Um, and put me down. And then they move back over to Max uh, for, for the liver, litter hoist up and out of there. Um, I get down into the water, these two people in the water, and they're hanging on to the side of a, uh, a boat that uh, had just showed up on scene, a good Sam, small boat, small fishing boat. One guy is holding onto the side of the boat, and this was the guy with the, f the face injury, broken nose, and he was complaining about jaw pain. Jaw pain. Um, and he was holding on to another guy that was screaming so loud. Um, I had to investigate. I had to figure out what he was screaming about, right? I look underwater, and every time a swell goes by, I see his leg bending um, above the knee. So oh, not, not in a way that's supposed to be bending. So every time a swell would come, his leg would flop off to the side, and then it would come back, and he was screaming. So uh, obvious broken femur there. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I got to stop this uh, from moving because he could sever an artery, right, and bleed out. So I focus on him as, uh, you know, the highest priority with, with the triage. Um, the trying to remember when I got the traction splint. I believe I, I brought it down with me because there was a, it was reported that we might have a broken femur. Uh, yeah, back back that up a little bit. I, I actually came down with the Kendrick traction splint. Wow. It, would, it was already reported that there was a broken femur. So I, I brought that down with me. This was 22 years ago, so I'm going through my head. <laughs> Just but a couple days ago. It. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of days ago, 22 years ago. Jeez. Um, so he's his leg's moving. I don't have a litter to put him in anyway. And these people are in the boat looking down at me like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I've got the splint. I can't, I'm thinking, how can I get him, get him up on the boat to put this traction splint on? And then I kind of realize I'm not getting him out of the water without putting the splint on because it could, you know, he's, he's in so much pain um, and possibility of sub severing an artery. I'm like, I'm putting this traction splint on this guy in the water. Like and once that clicked, um, I got to work. So um, I, know if you, yeah. I know you've seen you've seen these the the Kendrick traction splints. They come they're about a little package about that big. Yeah, tiny, um, no and, bigger and than like, like a, a little football or rugby ball. It's tiny. It's not a little package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're basically like uh, tent shot poles that pop out. You click them together, and uh, and the, you start off with those by putting the uh, the i guess you call it a crotch strap or it would it goes in the groin right there so i open this thing up um i know i need to get that groin strap on and i'm i'm basically doing not not spinal highways but i'm going under underwater and i'm working with this thing underwater i get the 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 groin strap clicked and then build the shot poles off from there get it down to his ankle and the uh the Velcro part that goes around the legs was already attached to it. So I get it, I get the, uh, I get those on. And as I'm, as I'm working down towards the ankle, I'm like, okay, there's a strap. There's a, a strap that goes around the ankle that I need. And I, and I remember it looked like, it looks like a little cushion kind of thing that goes around the ankle. Yeah. Um, 
and I had set it uh, just up to the, the side of me, thinking that it would float there. And at, just when I realized that I need that that piece, I look out of the corner of my eye, and it's sinking, and it's already about five five seven feet below me. So I'm like, shit. I was like, if I don't get that piece, then this whole traction splint doesn't work, right? So I come up, and I say to the guy that's holding onto him, give me a second. And I take a deep breath and I go down. By the time I turn around, it's it's probably, I don't know, 12 foot, 15 feet deep, and it's speeding up. It's it's starting to go down fast. So I'm chasing after this. And um I know I go pretty deep because the water temperature changed pretty pretty drastically. I get 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 down into cold water. When I finally get to it, I turn around and I look up and and I can't I can't see anything. I'm, I'm it's so deep and it's not the clean, cleanest water out there in the Gulf of Mexico. So I come up and I pop up uh, probably 30, 40 feet away from where the boat was. And everybody's like, what the heck is this guy doing? You know, like he just, he just decided to go for a swim or something. He's, he's working on this guy and he just decides to do an underwater off somewhere. Um, so yeah, lesson learned is those, that piece does not float. Um, bring that, that ankle piece back over and uh, finish up with the trash and splint. And uh yeah, about about that time, I see uh, Coast Guard RHI, uh, uh, rigid hull inflatable, coming um, towards us, uh, maybe maybe half a mile off, quarter mile off. They show up with a stoked litter, um, but it's not one that we inspect, so it's it's not in the ACMS system. So I'm I'm like, we're not gonna be able to hoist with this, but at least we can use it to put this guy in to put to get them up into the boat um so they come over they lower the litter to me i start scooping this guy into the litter and it's probably been about 15 minutes um since uh i got started maybe 20 minutes um since the the helo left with the litter and i thought that they the helo left with the person with the broken back and the litter at max i assumed that max flew away with them I'm getting ready to lift this guy up onto the boat and Max comes swimming out of nowhere. So they, he hoisted the litter up and then they left Max on scene, but they left him, I don't know, maybe three quarters of a mile away from us. So this oh whole time God. he's swimming and he comes swimming out of nowhere and he's like, Hey, you need some help. I'm like, what the heck? Where, what are you doing here? Cause I knew that I knew the Hilo hadn't dropped him off. So He's like, yeah, we've been swimming. He swam, swam, I don't know, almost a mile to, to meet up with us. Just oh in time, too, because if I if I would have gotten him up on the boat, we could have bolted and gotten out of there. We didn't know he was on scene. Nobody nobody there aside from Max while he was swimming because the uh, rigid hole was focused on what, what we were doing there. So um, Max shows up. He climbs on the boat, finally get a little more help getting this guy in, onto the boat. And then we start taking a look at the other – patients um we had a guy who having heart problems a uh, couple broken shoulders uh broken nose a lady was having trouble breathing so now we're doing all that stuff and we had to get them all onto the coast guard boat so we we transferred them over and then we head in um i think a, a guy from the, the fire department in the local town rode out with the coast guard boat because they didn't have an emt it's a small 
small boat station that didn't have a, a, a independent EMT there. He helped us a little bit with the triage um, and uh, radio to the helo. They showed up, but they couldn't hoist um, with that litter again because it wasn't uh, being inspected by us. So we can't trust something that we, that uh, the cables right. Um, so we cruise in, and and there's ambulances waiting at the pier anyway. So we cruise back, and uh, I don't know from beginning to end is the case probably took about two and a half hours oh so wow transit. it was it was a it was a good transit but everybody was stable so we opted for just taking everybody to the pier rather than trying to complicate things and maybe slow down the transfer of the other patients by doing uh, a hoist because if we were to do a hoist um then the boat would have to divert and it would take time and we weren't going to hoist everybody because we had 12 people right so we just opted to just head beeline straight for the for the pier, and I think that was the best decision. Yeah, but yeah, that was a good one. That was the first case that I had in New Orleans that I deployed to the water. So wow, yeah, dude, that's insane. <laughs> and traction splints don't float. Oh, oh so my god! Remember that. Remember that next time you try to put one on in the water. In the water, yeah, noted. All right. Duly noted, all the way around. Holy shit, Matt. Dude, that is sick. Well done. Well done to you and the entire crew. Now, did you go out on a second helicopter or just as a second swimmer? Second swimmer on one helicopter. Got it. Okay. Cool. Wow. Mm -hmm. Damn, man. Dude, that's awesome. Like, well done. Well done. That's a fun one. That's a fun one. I I like talking about cases where there's other swimmers because we don't get to do too many of those but they they definitely stay stick in your mind because you you shared it these moments with a, a brother you know yeah so. totally it's always just us one dude going out so very rarely yeah. do you have a second swimmer that you're very rare with. yeah yeah so mm-hmm. my gosh holy shit <laughs> 12 people and they are busted up my gosh oh yeah uh, out of curiosity, when you got to the, the boat ramp and stuff, like everybody, you give them to the local EMS, EMS takes them to the hospital, and then you're like, yeah. okay, we're done. How did you guys they, get home? They, they came and picked us up. The Hilo came, flew down, because it was, uh, I think it was Grand Isle um, that they picked us up at. And so we, they, the ambulance took off. We stayed in the parking lot there by the pier and just uh, waited for them to come back. I think the uh, the Coast Guard RHI had had gotten some radio from their op center saying that they're going to come and get us. So oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. At least they didn't yeah. leave you to like take a bus home or something. Yeah. No, because that does happen too, doesn't it? Sometimes <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> hey, it's up to you to get back. Okay, thanks. Yeah, good luck. Uh, we we're gonna send a duty driver. He'll be there in four hours. What? That happens also. Yeah, that happens too. <laughs> oh gosh. Adventure yeah. of being a swimmer, <laughs> dude. Well done. Yeah, find find a hotel. Out. Like I don't have my wallet on me or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Oh, build a tent. What do you mean, build a tent? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna divert real quick to thank our sponsor, Breeze Eastern. For over 80 years, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured battle-proven aerial rescue hoists, winches, and cargo hooks. 
Each product is carefully crafted to support demanding mission scenarios, ensuring the job gets done safely and efficiently. Visit them today at www.breeze-eastern.com. Oh my God, dude, that's funny. All right, um, that is that was kind of a big one for you out of New Orleans. Now, before mm-hmm. I go up to Kodiak, because that was your next unit, uh, yep. are there any other that stand out to you in New Orleans? I mean, there were so many cases. The majority of cases in New Orleans that stood out were are the medevacs. Um, pretty gnarly stuff too. We had, I mean, a lot of our medevacs because industrial fishing. So you're dealing with a lot of cables, a lot of wires and stuff. And we get a lot of, we get cases where people get caught up in winches all the time. Um, and there's one, uh, I got, a, I was on duty. I get a call. It was a strange call because they called straight to the swimmer shop. They didn't call to the op center. And it was, um, it was somebody saying, Hey, do you pick up dead bodies? And I said, and I was like, what do you mean do we pick up dead bodies? No, we're not recovery. We're supposed to be rescue, but tell me more what's going on here. Like there's, there's a guy, he got caught in a, it was a, uh, towing it was a boat that towed bigger boats a, a big uh crew ship crew boat that towed big tanker ships so they would tow with these big two inch double nylon um ropes and this particular boat had only two people working on it um and one of the guys was working the controls to the drum that that wraps the the nylon rope and the other guy was tending or feeding making sure everything was going somehow he got hooked into get maybe got his hand caught or something under the rope and the guy that was operating it wasn't watching couldn't hear or whatever whatever reason the guy went around this barrel that was that that uh, collects the rope and it's probably a, a three foot drum Oh wow! The guy, the guy went around three or four, four or five times, I'd say, um, because the rope ended up going across his scalp and pulling the skin off. Oh! And, uh, across his pelvis and crushing his pelvis, then across his legs, crushing it, crushing his legs. So uh, this phone call, the 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 guy on the other end was, uh, and he was coasty. I'm not sure if he was calling from the unit or what. But he was like, yeah, uh, we don't know if this guy is responsive or not, but he's most likely dead. Like, okay, well, let's go. I, I basically, I, I, I said, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna tell the pilots, call the op center, give us coordinates, all that stuff. And I basically told him, yeah, let's let's do this. Um, and the alarm goes off after I tell the pilots. I, I kind of give them a breakdown, and then they get a call, and uh, we get launched out on it. And so I'm kind of expecting the worst. I'm expecting because the call was, yeah, yeah, this guy's going to be dead. Okay. Maybe he is going to be dead, but um, optimistic. I hopped down on the boat and the guy, um, the guy that uh, wasn't injured, um, he gives me a look like, like I fucked up. I, I, I made a big mistake and, and you could tell just a look on his face, like felt horrible. I was like, well, okay, well, where's the guy? He pointed over to this 
pile of of blankets and I couldn't even tell that there's a person in there pulls the blanket back and instantly I see these two eyes looking at me I was like this guy's alive like Holy this guy this yeah. guy's this guy's alive and, and I need to get him out of there because he I mean crushed in so many places he's got so much traumatic injuries uh, that it, he's you know obviously in shock but uh yeah he, he's he, and, and it's probably been an hour and a half so you know the, the the golden hour had passed so if if this guy's gonna make it if he has any chance we got to move now so uh call up to the plane i say we've got a live one uh send me down the litter get the litter and basically scoop this guy it was uh i don't know how, how you explain that you you move him in but he's he's so busted up and it's just me and this other guy uh, i used a lot of the blankets to kind of move them in into the litter and then we're up and out of there um other than that, after that I, I just uh, you know just try to get a blood pressure on blood pressure really low um giving him oxygen um I'm, we're just emt basic so we don't have anything for pain and we can't give him anything to uh replace for blood pressure or anything like that no fluids or anything um so i'm just trying to keep him warm um and and we're just trying to get him there as fast as we can we Dropped him off and and uh, dropped him off alive. So, but yeah, that was wow. that was a pretty pretty hairy one. Yeah. About... Out of curiosity, did you ever follow up with that and see if he I, made it? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. No. That's not something that's normal, and I and I know that. Yeah. Uh, but you never know. So I had to ask. But yeah. no. Yeah. Nope. Didn't. Right on. We rarely get word after any cases that we do. So. Yeah wow man he was alive when i dropped him off so. holy shit yeah dude that's insane that was, that was a wild one yeah and you're working pretty much by yourself down there minus the other guy that's that's helping you out so oh, yeah yep you're solo that's typically all of our cases you're oh yeah I, th I like to think of us as professional problem solvers. That's our job, right? <laughs> you get down. It's so true. It's just us. And you kind of look around and you're like, well, what do I have that I can use? Okay. In this situation, I've got one guy. This one guy, he's in shock because he thinks he killed his friend or his, his shipmate or whatever. So he's not much help, but he's he's some help. So you use it, right? But, yeah, that's... Oh, my God, dude. Pretty wow. Dude, I'll take another one out anywhere else if you can think of any more. Uh, yeah, there was another one, another uh, uh, body part caught up in a winch. Um, oh, this, God. This old guy, uh, fisherman, out on his own boat. Um, and this was after that case I just described. So I'm thinking nastiness again. I'm thinking this is going to be uh, like you, these aren't cases that you want, you know. You right. don't want, you know. You want you want the Baywatch case where totally you, know, you got <laughs> you got babes in the water or guys in big surf or something. I'm gonna go say you know, that that's the action that you picture, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, these uh, the industrial uh, medevacs are not the funnest ones. So I come down. Um, come down to this is a small small fishing boat and it's just this one old guy 
and he had been drinking. I could smell he had been drinking probably quite a bit. Or he was he was he was pickled, sitting on the bow of the boat, smoking a cigarette, and there's there's fish guts all over the place. And he's 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 smoking a cigarette and he's kind of hunched over. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? And I come around and his arm, he had caught it in a winch, and it was broken, obviously. Um, this whole form um, basically stretched out. So I could see the, the tendons and everything. And his his hand was probably, I don't know, six inches farther away from his elbow than it should have been. Um, so um, I signal for the EMT kit. I get the EMT kit down. I wrap it up, put him in a sling, and hoist him out of there. But yeah, that's just another just another gnarly case it, with a, a winch, getting caught up in winches, and, and it's dangerous out there fishing, you know? Wow, man. Holy shit, dude. Mm -hmm. Question. Out of yes. all the 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 places you went to and, and the, the vessels you got hoisted into, um, like I I mean, I've been to some gnarly and tight areas and stuff like that. Describe some of the boats that you went into. I mean, wide open decks or like you're threading a needle or both? All of the above, but I think the, the hardest ones to get uh lowered down to were the uh like the shrimp shrimp boats with all that rigging you know yep. you've got the pilot house and then you've got the usually the big deck lights that are that are up above and then the arms out um with the nets carrying everything all the gear and those um those have cables coming down from the the top the apex of the superstructure out to the, the ends of the arms so they can bring them up and and, and lower them um, so those are, I think, the hairiest cases, the hairiest boats to get lowered down to. Uh, so I, I've had, I've, I had one situation where it was just, it was moving too much. The boat was moving too much, and it was just too hairy. And uh, I can't remember the, the number of deckhands or anything, but they couldn't bring, um, bring their gear in. So I had to go down, and they lowered me in the water. I swam in from the side. It was dead in the water, and as the boat rocked, I swam. I waited for it to go down because I was doing kind of a teeter-totter thing. Yeah. And I waited, waited for it to go down, and I swam over the uh, nets, but I wasn't fast enough, and it came up and picked me up, and I was then I was caught in the net. Oh so my god! Taking a, taking a ride up in the net, and then it goes back down again, but my fin was caught in the net, so I'm take. Uh, it took me underwater, and it took about three or four rocks and it was plunging me underwater to get my fin uh, released. So I was basically getting waterboarded by this short boat. Finally got my, my fin uh, disconnected and swam to the, uh, the side of the boat and climbed up the bulkhead. But yeah, that wasn't a fun one. What the? Oh my it, God, it man. Dumped. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. And the one thing I remember about New Orleans, um, I I just I feel like I got all of the bad stuff out of the way. I mean I was I was stung, I was bit, I was crushed, I was uh, I was burnt, I was well frozen. I got frozen up in Alaska, but everything <laughs> happened to me. I got shocked. I think you had you had Brett Fogel on. Yep. Uh, you had Brett Fogel on one of your uh, podcasts earlier, and uh, he swimmer. 
number 503 actually i'm 502 503 he i was the the last of our class and he was the first of his class so yeah. good mine. but uh we were doing a video uh a training video this was before we were using fast rope and it's just the the front end of doing vertical insertion um with um uh auf type uh msrt uh fellas and now, real quick define that because i i'm not even sure i know the M mst but what's what was the arf what is that uh authorized use of force so oh nice okay so it was it was post 9 11 when we really we decided to ramp up our law enforcement and go kind of tactical ways and the swimmers we didn't do that but aviation did um so they needed a way to get a bunch of teams guys down onto the boat and um you don't really i mean we, we had never fast rope before out of the 65 60 yes not the 65 so we're just going over a couple ways to do how to get guys down faster and we decided to try a uh, double insertion or double direct delivery so it was basically two guys in the triton harness or the trisar back then um hanging side side saddle each other so one person's hooked i i think we were both hooked on on the hook straight so we we're our butts were still at the same level um, but we were kind of twisted. So okay. my legs are going one way and the other guy's legs are going the other way. Um, we didn't end up using that way, but, but we were, we we're trying, trying to see if uh, that was something that would work. And so we're coming up, we had uh, two helos. One helo was off on the side that was filming. Then we were filming with the hoist hook and then the cutter that we were getting hoist to had a deck camera. So this is, is well documented. I have the video somewhere. Oh, yes, see. please. I'll try to yes, get please. that to you. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> it's VHS though, so it might need to be converted or something. But um, yeah, so as we're steaming uh, out towards the west, there's a, a pretty good thunder shower off in the distance. And I, 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 um, over the ICS, Tell the pilots like hey you see that thunderstorm off there maybe we should kind of steam away or uh, you know you want to keep that five mile clearance so um they turned the cutter and we're steaming away but they didn't give us much time to to uh, make some distance from that uh storm um we go we i brett and i we move into the door they start to send us down direct delivery to um the landing deck it was a i think it was a 210 so it had a flight deck um and we were probably 10 feet over the deck when we started feeling it and it, there was just oh my god the the helicopter didn't get struck by lightning but i think there was just so much static in the environment kind of like when you shuffle your feet on the carpet and touch somebody and shock them i think that's what our rotor head was doing it was just shuffling its feet over that carpet and just collecting static and from 10 feet above the deck all the way down both Brett and I, we were getting lit up and uh, it was going through all of our bodies and it was just getting stronger and stronger until once we hit the deck, we got laid down on our sides like a sack of potatoes. And oh my I, tried, I tried grabbing the hoist hook a couple times and my hand got popped away, popped away and finally got it off and threw it in between shocks. And 
Brett looks at me and then we look over and the hook comes swinging back at us. And we're like, ah, we get, we get down low and let it swing over us. And then we pop up and um, Brett's EPIRB had melted. My ear cups of my helmet melted. When I took my helmet off, they just dropped out. I had a filling in my mouth that popped out. Oh my God. Yeah. I At first I was like, I'm, I'm chewing on what? Like, how do I get sand in my mouth? We're going down, down to a boat. There's no sand here. And I feel with my tongue, and there's a, there's a filling missing in my tooth. Um, so we're like, we're like, we just that the the, uh, the deck um, LSO walks up to us, and he's like, "What are you guys doing?" Because I can't see the electrical shocks, right? They're just they're wondering why we're laying on the deck like two idiots, and they're like, "What? Why can't you just stand up? Just stand up." Um, we're like, we just got the crap shot out of us. I had a Pelican case. I don't know. I don't remember what was in the Pelican case, but it was kind of on my hip and I disconnected that. And we're kind of like Brett and I are checking each other out for like entry, exit, burn marks and stuff like that. Cause it was, it was that intense. Wow. We tell the, we tell the LSO how, how bad we had been shocked. And, uh, he radios up to the plane and they're like, okay. Um, the flight mech hoisting us, he could tell that something was wrong, but he didn't know what was going wrong. Um, and he said afterwards, he felt so bad. If he would have known we were getting shocked, the closer we got to the deck, it was getting worse, he would have brought us up. But how would you know that, right? Yeah. Um, so we tell tell the uh, pilots, uh, you know, we abort the training, obviously. And uh, they're like, okay, we're going to send down the hook and, and bring you two back up. And Brett and I are like, we didn't like that idea, but <laughs> we're like, okay, as long as the hook grounds out, um, we should be okay. So the Brett and I are both standing there and the hook comes down. And usually as the hook comes down, you know, somebody will grab it. And, yeah. and the, the hook comes down and neither one of us grab it. We just let it lay <laughs> on the deck. And we're like, you get it. You get it. You grab it. <laughs> I don't remember which one of us did, but one of us, I went over and tapped it to make sure it was, wasn't live, you know, and then we hooked up real quick and, and got out of there and then they, they took us and dropped us off the ER. And, uh, yeah. We had, um, uh, elevated liver enzymes, I guess, something like that from, from all the muscle activity from getting shocked. And, yeah. That was, and, Holy uh, and shit, we, dude. we didn't, we didn't, uh, try to do any more training videos like that after that. So. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, that's how I got shocked in New Orleans. Dude, that's gnarly. Wow. So I, I know you and I mentioned a little bit uh like before we hit start, but uh static discharge cable. I hate yeah. it, but it, it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So I don't I don't like it either. Um and I know sometimes it does not work because it, during Hurricane Harvey. The guys, we were getting lit up also, another really static environment, and we passed it to the the guy, the guys coming off that had been getting shocked, passed it on to the guys that were heading out. Hey, there's a lot of, lot of electricity out there. Use the uh, HSD, the hoist static discharge cable, and use that, and guys were using it, and they were, they were still getting lit up, so. Oh my gosh. I, I do like having it as an option, but uh, I don't like it mandatory. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Swimmer, swimmer discretion. If you like it, if you want, if you want your 
your safety blanket, take it along with you. you know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's insane. That's awesome. Dude, that's so funny. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing us through New Orleans, man. I, that's insane. I, I'm blown away at how much sorry you guys get or New Orleans gets yeah. in particular. So well done for your entire seven years there. I know yeah. that includes the boat, but yeah, four yeah. years uh, at the air station. Right. Well, plus the airman program. So four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half years. Woo. It's a long time, dude. Good yeah, for you. Seven years total. Seven years total in New Orleans. Damn, I joined the Coast Guard to surf and they put me in New Orleans for seven years. There's no surf in New Orleans. <laughs> no, there's not. Not even a little bit. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's so, terrible. So EMT school was where I would catch up on my surf. Yeah, because as soon as you guys dropped in there, you would go down to Santa, Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz, San Francisco, wherever it was. Yeah, yeah. wherever it was breaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heck, didn't you go off uh, uh, like straight out towards the coast from Petaluma? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. D- Dillon Beach. Yeah, we'd surf yeah. there sometimes. Yeah. In between, on, on class days when we didn't have enough time to to get down to the city yeah yep gosh i man i totally remember you guys bailing out like, hey you guys want to come Mani, have Mani a have, yeah let's go get a beer yeah. you're like after we're done surfing we're like all right yeah well it seems to be that time because we've hit our bingo we'll be relaunching for part two of this episode after we refuel we'll see you soon go now it's time for me to pull chocks and take off But before I go, I'm always looking for the memorable rescues that people have done. If you have one that you're willing to share or know somebody who has a story, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to highlight it here at The Real Rescue. For everybody that is standing by for that SAR alarm, remember, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. So until next time, fly safe and swim hard. Thank you for joining me today here at the Real Rescue Podcast, powered by Vertical Helicast. We'd also like to say thank you to our sponsors for this episode. Breeze Eastern. For over 80 years, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured battle-proven aerial rescue hoists, winches, and cargo hooks. Each product is carefully crafted to support demanding mission scenarios, ensuring the job gets done safely and efficiently. Visit them today at www.breeze-eastern.com. Rotor, today is a day for swim training. It's a beautiful day. We're just gonna drop in. We're gonna do some laps. Ready? Let's go for lap one. There you go. Good job, good job. Keep it up. Keep it up. Almost. Get there, yes! Nicely done, and I want nothing to do with it again. I'm done with you. Go back home.